He who knows does not speak. He who speaks does not know. Welcome, mere mortalized, to another book review. The book review is for those who want to transcend beyond mere mortality. And we're going to be doing some spiritual transcendence today. I have this book for you here, The Essential Shuangzi by Shuangzi, but translated and edited by Sam Hamill and J.P. Seaton. Now, please forgive some of my pronunciation because there's a lot of Chinese names in here and I'm going to want to read it in my Western mindset of Shuangzi, but no, Shuangzi is both the title and the name of the author. And the essential part of this is because the editors and the translators decided which particular passages they were going to take out. This was written in the third century BCE in China and it had more of an oral tradition rather than a written one because paper was barely invented back then. So the book is more about the fables, teaching, stories, learnings, predominantly about Tao. It contains a mixture of fact, pure fiction, and then mythological aspects. So some of the people in it are Confucius, Lao Zi, and Shuang Zi, who are obviously real people and then also even King Wen, King Wu. So these were ancient Chinese rulers going on to more purely fictional characters, Master Winepot and Tiger Yang, who represent maybe the, the drunken teacher and a generic bandit. And then getting on into the mythical parts. So these could be things like the Yellow Emperor. So that's sort of referring to the sun, Pei Eng, which is a huge gigantic bird with scale-like feathers that could cross the oceans and historical locations as well. So Lu Sung Wu, and I've definitely mispronounced every single one of those names. The original Shuangzi contained, I think, up to 50, 60 chapters, something like that. Although to the present day, only 33 of them survived. And in this particular translation and version, they took 22 of the chapters. So it's about 150 pages. And these were not complete ones as well. So some of the chapters just contained a couple of fables or a couple of stories. The first one to seven were written by what is assumed to be Shuangzi and or if not written directly by him, then his followers taking his sayings and putting that. And then the other remaining chapters from seven up to 33 are more anecdotes and have a series of authors associated with them. Most likely that, you know, with books this old, it's really, really hard to tell who wrote what and who did what. And to finalize the synopsis, this is one of the great works of Eastern philosophy. So in talking about the Tao, probably the only book or work that really competes or even outdoes it maybe is Lao Tzu's The Tao Te Ching. But this has influenced generations, and I'm talking about generation, generation for millennia of Chinese authors, scholars, poets, musicians. Everyone will come back to the works of um, Shuangzi because it has just such a huge impact and it has so many different aspects of it that allow it to be transmitted across such a vast period of time. So for the main theme of the book, obviously it's going to be the Tao. And I'm gonna put my own little spin on the definition and say it's accepting simply what is. Now the word itself, you could define or translate in many different ways. One of those obviously being the way, but also 
the path, the journey, the essence. And I think all of them are trying to just convey the fact that it's a mode of being. Now, I read this book in conjunction with two others, one being Zen Mind Beginner's Mind by Shunru Suzuki, and the other being Bring Home the Dharma by Jack Kornfield. And although each of them treat of a different topic, Buddhism, Zen, and Taoism, they all I had a similar aspect for me of, of trying to get to the same point, that, that mode of being, the way, although they go about it in totally different manners. So in Buddhism, it's a lot more ritualistic. It has a lot more religiosity associated with it. With Zen, it's a lot more strict and formal and the koans are more paradoxical. And then with Taoism, I would say it's a bit more free-flowing. There's more fables, there's more stories, and it has maybe more of that oral or spoken word type of feel about it. Another stark difference I found between the three was that in Taoism, I feel there was no emphasis put on the teachers. So you could get your teachings of the Tao or Taoism from anyone really. It could be a sage, it could be an old king, it could be a wise man, it could be even the robbers or bandits and the gods themselves or the deities or the supernatural beings all could impart Taoism to you. Whereas if you looked at more at Zen, there was a huge emphasis on following your teacher and becoming immersed in a type of monastic, very, very strict following of, of what your teacher says and with a lot of reference and due respect paid to them. And the same with Buddhism as well, where they'll put photos on their mantles, on their shrines, where there's a lot of talk about the Buddha and it's, you know, his teachings and this particular thing. Whereas with Tao, it was just, it was sort of the, the learnings can come from anywhere. Okay, so what are some examples though of someone living the Tao or what are the types of things they would say and do? A couple of the stories from it that I particularly enjoyed were the usefulness of uselessness. And so there would be stories of people going by an uh, old tree and they're seeing this huge gigantic tree and then a, a craftsman or a, a woodsman or a carpenter would come along and be like, no, oh, that's a kind of crappy tree. The wood itself is rotten or it doesn't have the qualities needed to create a fine table or a fine boat. And, you know, essentially bag mouthing this tree. And then later in the evening, this tree would come to him in a dream and say, hey, you say all of these bad things about me and you're putting all this negative context on it, but... If you look at my uselessness, it's actually serving me very well because I'm not getting chopped down by you. So I get to live, you know, a longer, better tree life of, you know, photosynthesizing and doing all those fun things that trees like to do. But it just got to that aspect of, you know, how many times do you come across someone and you put your own context, judgments, feelings towards them, whereas they're simply being and doing what they are and you're just not understanding, hey, if you look at it from the other side, they're doing exactly what they want to do. They're living the way and then you're trying to put all these things on them. A couple of other things is there's no getting or achieving the Tao. It's, it's very paradoxical, very similar to there's no importance on the spiritual form or your physical form even as a body, but you have to take care of your body and you need to try and behave ethically in the world. But at the same time, both of those aren't going to they're not what's important in getting to the Tao. The Tao is simply being. So it's one of those ones where it's, it's very paradoxical and you know very similar, I would say, to the Zen koans, for example, where it's not meant to particularly make sense. It's meant to get your mind in a, a mode of being of, of just accepting what is, just accept it. Like don't, 
Don't try and fight this. Don't try and get it. No striving, just be. So what are some of my personal observations or takeaways from this? I really have gotten that it's very hard to talk about these types of things without reverting to platitudes. It's so hard to talk about just being or simply is. And there's a whole list, a huge backing behind this of the, the culture of the words of the spoken language of all of these things. And you're trying to condense it down into, you know, Tao, what is Tao? And it's like, you know, a Tao is a lifetime of living, for example, in a, you know, in a correct manner of doing less harm to others, all of these things. So for me personally, I'm just taking out like, wow, you got to be very careful in, in certain ways, because I could see if I tried to talk about this topic more, I would ha be having to revert more and more to platitudes to just random things to be said, because it is very hard to communicate. It's one of those concepts I feel is is probably the hardest to communicate of of all the things I've been reading recently. Another observation for me was that poor Confucius gets railed upon in this book. So many examples of him being a fool of an ignorant buffoon and doing all these things and not realizing what is the Tao, what is the way. And that's because he put so much emphasis on virtue and benevolence. And it got to a point where even though in moderate doses, those are good things, being benevolent, you know, being gracious to your host, to your family, to people in general, or virtuous, you know, cultivating confidence, cultivating a, a wealth abundant mindset to help others to those sorts of things. When you put too much emphasis on it, it can get to these weird stages where it becomes ritualistic and it's and it's like you're not respecting your parents enough so go do you know 20,000 laps around the the soccer field or whatever it is so he was just saying you know even if you have something good if you use too much of this goodness it can revert itself into becoming what you wouldn't want it to be like the opposite so it was very interesting just seeing that and that's even though that's a historical context, I feel that works well with the Tao as well, which is, oh, you think you can do the most goodness, the maximum goodness by following this one thing, and then you'll end up reverting on yourself into creating something bad. Another couple of takeaways, which are known nowadays, but they're good reminders anywho, which is talk is cheap. So a couple of stories in the book of how a man's going asking for a loan from the I guess his chief or the feudal lord of something like that and says the feudal lord's like yeah I'm going to give you all of this money in the future like we've got this big payday coming up you're going to get paid yeah we're all good and then he's like yeah but that's not what I asked for like I'd rather just have a very small pittance paid to me right now so talk is cheap uncertainty can be valuable in many contexts so not being overly confident not being too dramatic or drastic with your actions when simply waiting for a period of time and whatever problem it is that you think you have right now is it'll solve itself out in you know a week or two weeks or a year even and putting too much effort and striving too much to fix something which might not even be fixable maybe it is better to just live in that uncertainty to live in that paradox and then desiring fame is disastrous and what really jumped out at me was that they put the emphasis on fame being a bad thing rather than the striving towards wealth. I would say probably nowadays the striving towards wealth is more where the emphasis is, as in that's where a lot of people are falling wrong and going towards that rather than chasing fame. 
you know, with the rise and advent of TikTok and stuff, all of these things get mixed up and fame is linked very closely to wealth. So it's hard to really dissociate it. But in this book, for example, and in his fables, he was very insistent, you know, if you're striving for fame, if that's what you want, it's probably not going to work out well for you. And my final observation was, damn, the translators must have had Dow because translating this book would have been an absolute nightmare. There's a bit of description at the start from them, some notes from them of saying a couple of the things they had to do to make it workable to translate from the Chinese original into a modern day English that could be understood. And there's just so many complexities to deal with. It's, you know, how much emphasis do you want to put on the direct translation? Whereas if you do that, sure, that's fine, but it can turn out in something that's almost utterly unreadable. How much liberty can they take to add their own poetic sentences into it, which weren't in the original, but are the spirit of the original? All of these different things, the how the Chinese language, how one word can have so many different meanings and it depends on you know the the smallest little bits that come before it and after it and all of these things and i just went man mad mad respect to everyone who's fully translating a book because that just seems like such a nightmare of complexity to to deal with so to summarize the shuangzi for me i found it a fun work of philosophy but it still requires concentration the fables themselves the stories are are addicting you grow to love some of these characters because they're so silly and they say funny things like it actually makes you laugh which not many philosophy type books do but to get the underlying wisdom from it the value from it you probably do need to be in a mindset of looking at it and somewhat analyzing the story in itself or the fable or the direct learning or teaching and going hmm what's he actually trying to communicate underneath this facade of joviality. So definitely dealing with a serious topic of spiritual importance, but with a playful nature with humorous anecdotes that leave the reader wanting more. I came away from this going, man, I wish I had some more Zhuangzi in my life. Out of all the spiritual books, I would say I've read so far, this is easily my favorite. I'm giving it a very solid eight out of 10. The Essential Zhuangzi by Zhuangzi and translated and edited by Sam Hamill and J.P. Seedon. And just a general recommendation on this book and Tao and Taoism in, in general is, I would say it's suitable for someone wanting a little bit less paradox than Zen and maybe a little less religiosity than Buddhism, but who still wants to get that feeling of the Eastern spiritual practices and of the way. So mere mortals, we've come to the end of another book review and I want to thank you for joining me this far. If you'd like to hear more book reviews, hit the follow button on whatever platform it is you're listening on. Or if you want to interact with us, come to our Instagram at mere mortals podcast. Other than that, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Kyron out.